Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. Well, if you would, turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 15. We're going to pick up where we left off last time in verse 7, I believe. Yes, verse 7. Abraham is someone we read a lot about in the New Testament as an example of faith. And we we ended off last week with the verse, and Abraham believed the Lord, and he he counted it to him as righteousness. He's he's the epitome in the Old Testament of what it is to to be justified by faith. To be justified by faith. And and in the New Testament, we, we have that same hope. We are not... Saved by our works because our works would never be enough. Our works would only amount to a pile of garbage. The best righteousness that we could muster up in ourselves is just filthy rags. And so how can we be justified? How can we be made right with a holy God? It is only by faith in Christ. It is only because He did something for us. And as we look at the story of Abraham, we see this same kind of faith. This kind of faith that believes God's promises. That believes that God has done something for him that will impact eternity for him. So let's Let's go ahead and read our text, um, Galatia, I'm sorry, Genesis chapter 15, beginning in verse 7. We're going to finish the chapter. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, I'm sorry. But he said, um, um, I skipped the line. Okay. How am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought him all these, cut them in half, and laid each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. And behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there. And they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve. And afterward, they will come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age. And they shall come back here in the fourth generation. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. When the sun had gone down, 
and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. And that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your offspring I give this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to obey. Help me to proclaim your word. Help me to be faithful. And help us all to see Jesus on these pages. Lord, help us all to to see how this points us to what you have done for us by your promises. Give me strength and grace as I preach your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We had just had this experience with with Abraham where we we looked at last week of, of how Abram was, was, you know, he wanted to know, hey, hey, I'm getting old here, <laughs> and I don't have any kids yet. And, and God comes to Abram and he tells him, you know, I'm your shield, I'm your very great reward, okay? And, and he promises Abram, you're going to have so many children. If you look up at the stru- sky and try to count all the stars, if you can count them, so shall your descendants be. So shall your offspring be. And we left it off. Abram believed God, and God counted Abram righteous for that. He believed that God's promises he would keep. Now, here we again, uh, go again. God says, uh, kind of continuing this conversation with Abram, he says, I am the Lord who brought you out from, the, from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. He identi- God identifies himself. He says, I'm the Lord who brought you out. Abram used to be just another Gentile. Abram used to be um, a, an idol worshiper along with everybody else in Ur. And God plucked Abram out, chose him, called him, and he brought him out of Ur of the Chaldeans. This is significant. This is saying, I am the God who saved you. And God identifies himself throughout the books of Moses. You know, Moses wrote Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The first five books of the Bible, we call it the Torah or the Pentateuch. Um, And I found that, of course, this is the only time this phrase, I am the Lord who brought you out, is used in Genesis. But just a simple search, and you know there may be more, but the ones that I could find, 17 times in the rest of the, of the first five books of the Bible. 17 times as God speaks to His people from Exodus through Deuteronomy, He says, I am the Lord who brought you up out of Egypt. So, 
Moses wrote this, right? Moses wrote this after the Exodus had taken place, and, and he is writing this to give the people their confidence. Well, it's for our instruction as well, but he was writing there to its original audience to give the people confidence that God has already saved them, he has kept their promise, his promise with them, and, and, he, and he's writing out his law. This is how you're going to live under my rules. And the first thing that the Lord always identifies himself with, I am the God who saved you. I am the Lord who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Amen. And he uses the same language when he talks to Abram. I think he does this so that the readers there, the original readers there in Moses' time can look and see this picture of Abram and say, this is how God works. He did it for us, and he did it for Abram, and he's going to do it again in the future. This is how God works. I am the Lord who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And then he makes a covenant with Abram. Abram's question he, he then says it in verse 8, O Lord, how am I to know that I shall possess it? How am I to know? How am I to know that you're going to keep your promises? Um, we, we, he, God has promised Abraham basically three things. He's promised him land. He's going to give him this land that he was going to show him. right? But currently... The land is inhabited by Canaanites, Jebusites, Girgashites, all these people, and that's a threat to the promise. And, and so, you know, it, it, he knows, God, I believe God, and he's going to give me this land, but he doesn't have it yet. In fact, he dies not ever possessing that land. That's what he, the author of Hebrews tells us. So Abram's asking, how am I going to know that I'm going to possess these things? God also promises Abram seed. And we saw that promise talked about in the last passage we looked at last week. He, he's, you know, Abram here, he's, he's worried. You know, he's an old man. His wife is barren. He's, he doesn't have any heir. And, and God tells him, you look up into the sky. You count those stars. And that's how many your descendants will be. And, and, and Abram believed God. And, and so, again, he's, he's acting. God, how can I know that I'll believe that, that you're going to keep your promise. Land, seed, and blessing. Land, seed, and blessing. That's the third thing that's kind of a part of God's promise to Abram. Blessing. We saw that in chapter 12. I'm going to bless those who bless you, and I'm going to curse those who curse you. I'm going to bless you so that you'll be a blessing, blessing to every family on the earth. Those are the things that, that God had promised to Abram. And here, Abram is asking, you know, God, uh, how am I going to know? I, I live in this land. He, he's already been blessed. He's got lots of possessions. He's got you know, 318 men that were part of the, his team that were able to go and fight up against these. So he's got, he's got a lot of material blessing. He's got great wealth. But he doesn't have a seed yet. We dealt with that last week. And he doesn't possess the land yet. And so we ask God, how am I going to know that I'll possess these things? I think this is a good time to pause for some application. Each of us here can think of how we believe God. We know this is what we long for. This is what we hope for. And it's, it's left 
where we just don't see it yet. I've wanted something for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. And I just don't see it yet. We can identify with Abram here. Abram, in spite of the fact that he was in his 80s at least by this time, and his wife was barren, believed God that he was going to give him seed. And, and so God here, he condescends to Abram. He, he could have said, well, just trust me, don't worry about it. But God puts himself on the line in what he's about to do. He, he, he tells Abram, this is what you're supposed to do. He says, bring me a heifer three years old, a male goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove and a young pigeon. What's the deal about these a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old? What, 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 what's the deal about three years old? I, 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 when I was studying this, uh, um, someone had made the suggestion that those would be the prime, most valuable years of the livestock. Is that correct, Dad? <laughs> Probably. Probably. Okay. That'd be the prime, most valuable years. So we're talking expense. How much does it cost for a, a cow fully raised if you're going to buy it? We were having this conversation at lunch. About fourteen hundred dollars, right? So uh, um, that's what it would cost us. That's we know it's something that's valuable. And uh, Abram is supposed to bring one cow that's three years old, and a, and a, a half a heifer, a, um, a ram, and and a, a female goat. All of these things in the prime of their lives, their most valuable times. God didn't wasn't asking him for something that was. You know, just anything left over. He was asking for him for something that was going to cost him something. God told him to bring these things and he brought him all these things and he cut them in half and laid each half, uh, laid each half over against the other. Okay? But he didn't cut the birds is what it says. Maybe it's because they're too small. I don't know. But he lays these up in, in rows against each other. Right? This sounds kind of strange to us. Why would you do that? Cut them in half and lay them on two lines? Why would a person do that? But that did not sound strange to the people of that time. Because they knew that whenever you make a covenant, when you make a covenant with someone, what do you do? You make a, a sacrifice. Uh, it, it, it basically, uh, it, the, cutting the animals in half was saying that what would happen was the two parties that were making an agreement would then walk through the pieces together and they're both saying, if I break this covenant, let this happen to me. Okay? That's the kind of binding oath that this is setting up for. Okay? And then it says, and when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. I think that here we have a little bit of humor, don't we? <laughs> here, Abram's doing all that he can to do his part and bring, and he got the birds coming. <laughs> and he's, he's just, shoot, you can just imagine him out there. You ever had, uh, whether it's birds coming after Stuff that, you know, or, or maybe the coon's getting in your corn. <laughs> or you're out at a picnic and you got bees coming after you. And Abram's just shooing them away, shooing them away. We can, we can picture this. Well, what happens then? Verse 12. 
and the sun was going down. We haven't finished this covenant ceremony yet, right? We haven't finished it. Because all, all we have right here is, is the animals are cut in half, and, they're, and, they're, and then it says, as the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. Hey, we're not finished here, <laughs> right? A deep sleep fell on Abram. And this also should remind us of something. Someone else that we've already read about in the book of Genesis went into a deep sleep. Any guesses? Adam. Adam. Whenever Eve was made. And so maybe, since this is covenantal here, this should remind us of the covenant of marriage. Adam and Eve was created whenever Adam was put into a deep sleep and whenever he awoke, they, they, they were married and they, were, they had a covenant of marriage. It was a promise together. Here, Abram is put to sleep and behold, a dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. You can just picture the magnificence and the awe of being there. Then the Lord said, for, said to Abram, I, I guess he's already asleep. The Lord says this to him. I, I, maybe he's seeing it in his dream. The Lord says to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs. And they will be servants there. And they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on that nation that they serve. And afterwards they shall come out with great possessions. How is this? Why did God say this to Abram? He's predicting the future of what's going to happen. And Abram wants to know, how am I going to know I'm going to possess this land? And God is answering him by predicting the future. He's saying, you're not going to see these things in your lifetime, but it's going to happen. And remember, Moses is the one writing this down after they had come out of Egypt. And so the people are hearing this as, as the original audience, and they're thinking, God promised what was going to happen he foretold to Abram what was going to happen before we were ever even thought of. Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners. That's the seed, right? The seed promise. Your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs. That's the land. God promised Abram he's going to give him land. And even Abram, he's never going to see that in this life. And even their children, they're going to be soldiers in a world, in a land that's not their own. Even his children were going to be that way. Um, and they will be servants there. And, and Abraham may be thinking, but I thought you said you promised me blessing. Instead of blessing, they're going to be servants there. He's telling them all these things in advance so that he, know, he knows and, and maybe if this story is passed down to the Hebrew people as they are there suffering in, in, um, uh, in Egypt, they've heard this story about the covenant with Abram and they know, you know what? This didn't surprise God. He told Abram a long time ago that this was going to happen, but you know what? Our deliverer is going to come. 
They will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterwards they shall come out with great possessions. This is something similar to what we read in the prophets. God's own people, Israel, Judah, they're disobedient to God. And what does He use? He rises up another nation to come and discipline them. What does God do here uh, with Israel, with, with Abraham's descendants? They're being oppressed by the Egyptians. What does God do? He rises up a nation from within them and He sends plagues on Egypt and they come out plundering. They shall come out with great possessions. That's exactly what happened. Before they went out, they plundered the Egyptians. God foretold it all to Abram before it ever happened. Then in verse 15 it says, As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. God's telling Abram, you're not going to see this in your lifetime. Your descendants, they will, but you're not going to see this in your lifetime. But he promises, you're, it's going to happen. And Abraham believed God. He believed God in spite of the fact that, that it was something he would never tangibly be able to touch. He believed God. Then, verse 16, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. Now, two things here. One, he says they shall come back here. This land that God has promised that He's going to give Abraham's descendants, He's, he's going to give it to them at that time. In the fourth generation, they're thinking probably about 400 year, uh, 100 years is a generation. So um, he said 400 years before, then now he says fourth generation. So after 400 years, they're going to come back here to this land that I promised you, Abram. And then he follows this up with, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. What's this all about? Well, sometimes skeptics like to think of problems with the Bible. And they look at things like the Canaanite conquest. When Joshua and the Israelites come in and they destroy all these cities, right? And they, they kill all every man, woman, and child. And they think, how, how vile and violent of a God that must be that God would condone such things. They got it all wrong. God was not judging, He was not uh, destroying and committing genocide or something like that against innocent people. He was waiting as judgment stored up. He, he says, the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. You know, God had promised He's going to give Abram this land. This land is filled with Canaanites and Amorites and Girgashites and Jebusites and all the ites. Okay? And so we've got this, this tension here. How is God going to give land to Abram that belongs to somebody else? He's going to use the Israelites then when they come to judge, just like later on in biblical history, God uses Babylon and Assyria to come in and judge Israel. 
When the Canaanite conquest comes and the, the people, the, the Israelites come in and take the land, he's bringing judgment upon the wickedness of generations and generations and generations of the Canaanites that had taken place. Verse 17. Now we're back to the story about the covenant making. Where we, le- where we last left off, Abraham had cut the animals in half. God spoke to Abraham as he was put asleep. And when the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking firepot. This is still probably while Abram's asleep. A smoking firepot and a flaming torch passed between the pieces. Abram's asleep. He never tells us that Abram walked between the pieces. In a covenant, what's supposed to happen? You cut the animals in half and both parties walk between the parts. What this signifies is this is an unconditional covenant. It doesn't depend on Abram to keep. It's something that God does. And whenever it says a smoking firepot, I'm sorry, yeah, a smoking firepot and a flaming torch pass between the pieces, this ought to also cause us to remember something. And the, the, the Israelites would have remembered it. When they were led out of Egypt and, and through the wilderness, they followed a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud or smoke by day. And so whenever we read here that it was the pillar or it was the uh, smoking fire pot and the flaming torch that passed between the pieces, this is God. And God is saying, as he passes through the pieces, he's saying, and he's promising in this oath, in this covenant, if I break this covenant with you, Abram, let me be torn in half. Abram is asking, God, how can I know that I'm going to possess this land? How am I, how am I going to know that I'm going to have the, the, these descendants and, and the blessing? And God's saying, if I don't keep this promise, let me be torn in half. And that's impossible. God cannot be torn in half. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, to your offspring I'll give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river Euphrates. He's answering Abram's question. How am I going to know? I'm going to give your offspring this land. He names all the lands, the land of the uh, Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. All of these people that at the time of its writing, Moses was about to lead, or Moses and Joshua were about to lead them in to, to defeat all these peoples that it lists right here. God's promise is secure. God's promise, He bound himself with an oath that he would keep his promise to Abraham and to his offspring. And as Mike read from the Scripture from Galatians, Paul makes a big deal out of this word offspring. See, offspring in the Hebrew is a collective singular. I'm a grammar nerd. (laughs) I I care about things like that, but we know uh, like the word deer. 
You know, deer is a collective singular. You see one deer, or you can see the deer all you know all running through the field, right? There's a bunch of them. It's a collective senior singular, and and we have the same play on words when it comes to offspring, because when it when when it talks about offspring, it's not just all of Abram's descendants, but it's also pointing to one particular singular offspring, one particular seed. And that's the same seed that we read about in Genesis 3. There would be a seed of the woman who was one day going to come and he was going to crush the head of the serpent. And God promised that he was going to give this land, this, this land of the Canaanites and the Kenizzites and the Kenites, all this land to his descendants, which was really a down payment on the whole world. Because when Jesus came, he is the singular descendant and he is the king of not only this world, but the whole universe. This descendant of Abram would possess all things. Jesus Christ. And we know from the, Gen- the Galatians passage, if we are in Christ, then we're Abraham's seed. Amen? Amen? Have you trusted in Christ? Are you one of Abram's seed? Jesus came, the long-expected Messiah, from Genesis chapter 3 through the Abraham promise threw up to the promise to David that he would one day have a son who would sit on his throne forever. Through all of those things into Matthew chapter 1 where we read this genealogy that goes all the way from Abram all the way up to Jesus Christ. He came, he was born of a virgin, he lived a perfect sinless life because we couldn't. And he died as the sacrifice. These animals were taking place in the covenant ceremony. They gave their lives for a ceremony. But that couldn't cover sin. But that points forward to Jesus, who was the sacrifice. And if it could be said that God could be torn in two, that's what took place at the cross. But He was faithful to His promise. When we are unfaithful... He is faithful. We just trust in Jesus. We're going to fail in this life. Even when we are Christians, even when we believed in Him, even whenever we, we, we have been filled with the Spirit, we're going to fail. We're going to sin. In as long as we inhabit this flesh. Until Jesus comes and redeems it all. But He came. We're not going to have everything we want in this life. We're going to have disappointments. We're going to have disappointments in relationships. We're going to have disappointments in our bank account. (laughs) We're going to have disappointments when it comes to where we live, just like Abram. We're going to have disappointments in all kinds of things. But just like Abram, we can believe God and we can have Jesus. 
when I'm alone, when I'm afraid, when I come to die, give me Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you're here tonight and you haven't trusted in Jesus, if you wouldn't consider yourself a Christian, this promise is open to all who believe. Trust in Jesus. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.